0: The Hurling Podcast is brought to you by the Enniscorthy Credit Union, where you can join and apply for a
1: loan on the same day. With great interest rates and special rates for car loans, green car loans and education loans, check out their website at enniscorthycu.ie. The Enniscorthy Credit Union, local, loyal and lending.
0: Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. And of course, the Credit Union Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
1: If I told you what I put them lads through, you wouldn't believe it.
0: Hurling has to be the
2: most difficult, eye hurting sport I've ever witnessed. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been described as the great lads of Hurling, the today we got married. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air and hit it. But, what of hard place. Thank you, the people of Wexford,
0: who with us All right, Wexford! Hello and welcome to the Hurling Podcast. Another fascinating weekend of hurling action gone by, and we're joined by ex-Kilkenny goalkeeper and current Kildare senior hurling manager, David Herity to discuss the games.
2: Well, I've gone on record about exactly what he says to me, or what he said to myself, like, and stuff like that, but I don't think too many... I'm sure in a lot of the books, lads have come out and actually said um, how he's kind of dealt with them and, and so on. But it's, uh, I think lads know the story with him now at this stage. You know, he's, 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 a, he's a ruthless man. And you can see that yesterday and how he kind of, I suppose, treated Richie Hogan. The fact he didn't bring him on to the 80th minute, which was, you know, if you're sitting on the subs bench and you have seven All-Irelands in your back pocket and, you know, this time last year you were coming on and you were turning the Leinster final... And playing extremely well, and still playing very well with your club, and by all accounts playing very well in training, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're not the first sub on, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth, or the sixth, and all of a sudden, then you're brought on with ten minutes to go, and you're, you're three, four points down. It's um, yeah, it's it's an unusual, usual one. I, I I would have thought I thought Richie looked sharp when he came on. He was the only Kilkenny four or subs to actually score. Um, I thought that was just a very very strange one. I think at any, I don't. I don't know if there's anyone in the whole country that wouldn't have brought on Richie Hogan or brought him on as about sixth or seventh sub yesterday. I honestly don't. Yeah, and
0: was it didn't Mossy Kogan come on,
2: come Twice. off
0: and come back on again?
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, and then John Donnelly, I know that happened to him. I'd say there's a lot of probably even subs there. I know whatever about Joey Holden and Kieran Wallace and, uh, well, obviously Darren Brennan mightn't come on, but the likes of Liam Blanchfield, I'd say, would be very disappointed today when you see... Forwards coming on and off and back on again, then again, like the likes of John Donnelly and Mossy Cohen, you know, not in the 80 minutes to, to not be considered. Like, you'd kind of have to wonder why you're on a 26 if if that's the case. I understand. Oh, I don't know. I'd find that very, very difficult now to, yeah, to sure. explain. We,
0: that. Wexford had the same thing, sure, with the Leinster final. You had lads cramping up going off and coming back on before.
2: And, you know, yeah. there's a lot of
0: young players there, but like Harry Cohen's been around for a long time and he, he always does a job and he wasn't considered to come in.
2: There, there are a lot of unusual decisions I would have thought. I just thought the Richie one definitely was a massive one standing out, that you would bring him on there. And then the funny thing is, like, only for Adrian Mullins' goal, he wouldn't have come on at all. And that would have been it. And potentially that's him done with the Kikennie team. So, uh, look, I'm sure you're going to ask me about whether Cody's staying on later on, but that, that's, uh, that to me is the big question kind of coming out of yesterday. Um, there are a lot of lads that are kind of over that age of 30. And even the likes of Colin Fenley, who stepped away this year um, and didn't say that he was retiring, but he was just stepping away. That, to me, was a, a big sign that um, he's someone, I suppose, if there was a change of management, if it was a change of management, Henry Sheffield is probably your number one target then. And if it is, well, then, does the likes of Colin Fenley come back into it? Um, you know, yes. I even thought this year, out of all the years, would have been the most perfect year for a Colin Fenley, especially if you get the ball and run towards the goal the way Colin's always kind of dragged back and pulled down. Jesus, he winning <laughs> penalties all over the place. And you, when you consider the amount of goals that he has, and he's he's in that kind of top. Jesus, I don't know, top sixty scorers of all time. um, it would have made for it would have been a perfect year for him. Um, and I, but then again, I suppose there was that bit of. Uh, I suppose, disagreement last year when he he felt that Kenny should be playing a different way and, and kind of brought it to management that probably should be working out to midfield a little bit more, like the way Cork do, and then spraying the ball in and giving him a bit of extra chance rather than just getting it and lumping it, which is kind of where Kenny ended up going back to there yesterday. Um, but he's definitely someone that could come out of woodwork. If, if Brian stays on, it's it's hard to... like You have the flip side there as well. There's only three trophies you can win in a year, and he won the league in Leinster. He won two out of the three. <laughs> For, I'd say, 90% of the managers that are out there, inter-county managers, they would have snapped the hand off what he has won this year.
0: Uh, out <laughs> Wexford would have.
2: Wexford, Dublin, you know, Galway would have. Well, Galway won the, the league if they knocked a Leinster into that. They would have been thrilled, I'm sure. Watford would. Cork would have been delighted. Like, everyone, Barry Limerick and Kilkenny. And... Jesus, even Tip, I'd say, would have been happy enough for the Munster in the league there this year. It would have, It would have been a great year for them. But it's just the kind of way it is that he's built up such a, a high level of expectation from, from what he's won down through the years that unless you win an All-Ireland, and he's said it for years, you know, if you don't win the All-Ireland, it's a waste of a year. He has said it. And that's kind of the, unfortunately, it's kind of the rock that he's perishing on at the moment because no matter what he wins, unless he wins the All-Ireland, it's seen as a, seen as a failure.
0: Would you be in for a shout at all yourself?
2: Any I'm with Kaleir next year. I'm you thankfully did. with Kaleir again. Um, so, no. Will he get to
0: yeah. pick his successor now? If he does, would he be like that? Would it be Alex Ferguson picking?
2: <laughs> Not a hope. No, I know he kind of wanted, he wanted Henry in uh, two years ago uh, to go in and join him. But I think that's nearly the the rock that every lad perishes on. Like, if you look at the likes of James McGarry, for me would have been a definite favourite to take over all those years ago when he won the the All Ireland with Ballyhale. Hale, and then all of a sudden he is just kind of he, he's he's just in the background there now. He's gone to the point where McGarry's there seven years. He's won the first he, sorry he's there since two thousand and fourteen. That's eight years. He's won the first two All Irelands in fourteen and fifteen. But now he'd never be considered, I don't think, as taking over Brian Code. He'd be too similar. Um, And the likes of Martin Comerford, you know, Derek Ling came in and was put back into the under-20s. They haven't had great success there, I suppose, over the last two years. And then DJ came in and left after a year. So I think Henry's playing a good game there, keeping himself winning he would be about to win a uh, an intermediate kind of league title there next week with Thomastown and be looking then to try and kick on down an intermediate All-Ireland, I'm sure, a county and Leinster and intermediate All-Ireland with uh, Thomastown over the next few months. But I think he's, he's... Henry's prime because whoever comes in afterwards has to have... Well, you have to have a certain aura about you and an ego about you as well that's able to deal with the pressure that that is. And Henry's dealt with that all his life from being the king as a... Um, you know, he said it there recently. he was listening to me. He was being interviewed by by Brian O'Driscoll, and he said he put. I suppose he put huge uh, pressure on himself as a player, and probably didn't enjoy it as much. But I think he's someone that loves that bit of pressure as well to try and take on a job like that. And I think he's the he's definitely the right man. I know there'd be other lads like Eddie Brennan, but I just I think Henry would just be to be by far the Bucky's favourite to take over that. Yeah, the way he is, the age that he's at, the experience that he's had, and the success that he's had, he'd be. And the fact that he's loved by all the the everyone in Kilkenny, um, I think he's the perfect fit. Plus, he's worked with Ballyhale. Half the panel is nearly Ballyhale now at this stage. Um, any young lad that's kind of growing up there has has idolised Henry growing up. So I think he'd come in there and he'd he'd do a fantastic job. It's very hard for anyone to go in if they were chosen above Henry. I'd say. Oh, very difficult, yeah. And if anyone came in above Henry. Uh, you would be looking at maybe two, three years, max. If unless you won something, you'd be out, and it'd be no matter what. Henry would be taking fast in your heels. Whereas, at least give Henry his time in there, and then see how he gets on. Then other lads can probably get that chance afterwards. But I'd say if listen to him again, there it, it, did he, he said in that Brian O'Driscoll interview, which I thought was interesting, when he said that. Uh, um, they were talking about Ron O'Gara and w- that he said that he wouldn't, he wouldn't play for Leinster, but he wouldn't rule out, um, he wouldn't rule out managing or coaching with Leinster. And they asked him, Henry, Henry goes, I just never could go in a different county. I never could manage a different club to play against Ballyhale. That's why he took an intermediate club, not a senior, and he never could manage another inter-county team. So I'd imagine if Henry ever gets in, he's doing another Cody job there and uh, he'll be there for the long haul. I can't, um, I, I just I, 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 just think it's it's nearly the perfect fit for him, the personality that he has and that the fact that he's not going to take anything else that comes down the road like a, a Wexford job or, or geez, Lex Wexford or waterford something like that, probably the lads that will come calling at some stage. But he's very much putting his... Uh, Playing out his cards and saying he wants to kick any job. I know he hasn't said it, but we we know it. Yeah. But
1: yeah. <laughs> so t- tell us this now: Have you ever started a game in Crow Park where the band wouldn't get off the pitch for
2: the start of the game? Yeah, it was. Jesus, un- it was unusual, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they just got just got off the field. You see it a few times happening, all right, but the. Christ, that was a that was a fair old opener. It was, it was some game to actually be thrown in a ball there with the boys still on the field, just barely getting off it all right.
1: If you watch the ball goes to one corner, but had it went to the other corner, the lads would have had to make a run for it. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell you what, uh, I played a county final, football county final in Kilkenny, just I know it's kind of a side thing, of when there was two the two groundskeepers went up for the toss of the ball. They didn't want the ball, they didn't want the game played after destroying the pitch in the semi-final and the final were played within four days. It was in Ballyragut. So the grounds the groundsmen didn't want the pitch to be destroyed. So as the ref was throwing up the ball between the four midfielders, the two groundsmen went up for the ball as well to try and catch it to walk off of the ball. They didn't get it. The <laughs> final went ahead. That was that <laughs> For a whole different day. That, that was just a bag of misery because there was a, a nest. The net had blown out. It was during one of the storms in October there it was 2015, and the storms had blown over the goalpost, the next. So you couldn't score a point down one end. The referee had to the, try and make out his mind whether the ball was going over the bar. He would no umpires either. So it was a classic, one of those classic finals in Kilkenny.
0: Well, this is what Kilkenny football is all about then.
2: <laughs> I know you're not on here to talk about Kilkenny football, so we will head back to back the main stuff. So. I, I love the
1: fact that I was in Ballyrraga as well.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, home of football. Do
1: you have any any knowledge about what happened on the M7 any knowledge of the farmer
2: I just missed it um it, because I I was uh, as I said I was going to the, the those three rounds of the club games in um, Conlitz and Newbridge and yeah everything was was going was flying along and then all of a sudden then you were just hitting that kind of wall of traffic but then that's was uh, hard shoulders are for. I was taking the net, the first left off so it was grandiose, went up to the hard shoulder. But I was wondering, but then as you kind of went into the town of Newbridge, then you saw all the flags going through and it was a wonder what that um that was to do with all right. But it's uh yeah, I thought it was an unusual one after the match of um was this was it Burns or Donovan that came out afterwards and said this that this. who's the man of the match again?
0: Donovan
1: yeah, yeah, came, he out him, yeah came out afterwards. How was done
2: Yeah, and came out afterwards. He goes, "They should have talked to the players and gone ahead with the match without the fans." Yeah, he thought it was a it was an unusual statement to kind of come out and think that. Um, you know, we've all been in situations there, where you, you might definitely back in thirteen where there's extra times in games, and you're just you kind of know when you plan for it, and you kind of go, "That's what's going to happen," and it's. You just go back, even after minor minor matches there as well. You could be in Croker, and there could be extra time in that, and you're just kind of going to just be an extra half an hour delay. But so it was an unusual approach. He was so psyched, you know, it's a start. You would think that, I suppose, they're at that kind of phase, and nothing would or at, at that level, that nothing would phase them. An extra half an hour wouldn't make a difference. But he was quite adamant in the man in the match speech afterwards that players should come first, and the game goes ahead at the, on time. And do you think He's, that's an an insight into? The way they
0: prepare for games and that they probably just have a structure that they follow to the to the
2: T. Some lads can off. be. Yeah, some lads can be definitely. And you can be superstitious or, or you just have you've everything in line. And then all of a sudden it comes true that, you know, like even small things there were like you eat just say two hours or two and a half hours before a match. And that's to get you through the next 70 minutes plus. It could be an extra 20 minutes there, extra time. And then all of a sudden, when you throw everything back half an hour, well, then that's kind of, that's after kicking on everything. Like, you know, that's a full half of a the game there where if that goes to extra time, maybe it's in the back of your head. Now, I've absolutely no doubt that there are certain lads that wouldn't care if it was put on the day after. They're just the way they are. But I just thought it was, it was an unusual kind of statement out of him that, um, yeah, he, he seemed angry in the interview afterwards. I know a few people were on Twitter afterwards kind of going, Jesus, you played without crowds for long enough. Surely you can wait mm-hmm. half an hour to try and get that roar back into the into the place. But I'd say they have everything down to a T. But I'd imagine as well that they, I'm sure they have a psychologist there and they have the backroom team to try and keep things calmed in as well and, and get things going again. But um, It was just unusual for himself all right to see. He was probably so psyched to get everything going didn't throw him off any anyway, the half an hour and he ends up getting man of the match in there.
1: He yeah. <laughs> strikes me as a very serious individual. Very. Like,
2: Jesus, it was the, it was the most unusual, the unusual kind of man of the match award. There was no smiles or anything. He was angry with that farmer.
0: He wasn't happy. He wasn't
2: happy with a lot of people that that match didn't go ahead at five o'clock, even though he had the man of the match award. But yeah. Christ maybe, maybe he had
0: plans after the game
2: who knows jesus yeah
0: now there was a fairly ferocious start to the game did i'm just thinking like waterford they really tried to like show their power or put put it up to Limerick in, in the first in the first 15 20 minutes and it was their fourth week in a row did that have an effect on them being able to maintain the level of intensity
2: It is. but along with that if so you can you can hit a team and hit a team and and like they were doing but if you're hitting a team and then you're creating a turnover and, and you win a free like they were and then Bennett is coming out and just missing them like they were just outside his range every single time I mean you're not keeping the scoreboard taken over but you're still getting hit the way they're getting hit um and hitting themselves like even if you are knocking over a garold hegarty which which he was there or Kyle Hayes or whatever coming out with the ball um but that's taking a huge amount out of you but then it but you don't mind if the scoreboard is taking over and you might get a goal and everything's going well for you. But all of a sudden when you're not and then you kind of, you know, they come out after the next uh, the quarter and then they completely outscored them 11-4. And then you're kind of just, you're just depleted. But they weren't even getting in for goals. They weren't getting those killer, killer scores that they had gotten um, in the Galway game, in the temporary game. So far this year, and it was the goals that were really going to give them that energy to try and kick on, um, like they had done in the in kind of the last two games, but they weren't. And they did geez, the last few games they've been knocking over scores, it's five-two, you know. After a few minutes, they're just absolutely blitzing teams, and this time there, it's just not it's not falling for them. They're shooting just outside the range, and then up the other end, Limerick are just getting into that. You know, I'm sure they were delighted at that first break. And the thing is, when you play a match like that, and it is going in level and close enough I don't know what the score was, was it 7-6 or am I um, at the first water break yeah the first f- water break 4-3 f- 4-3 uh, four, three. Four, four, three. so it's good mm-hmm. in there that's where the intelligence of, of Limerick when you're when you're together five years so six years but there's a certain amount of when you're playing together that length of time and you know each other's system inside out you can make these little subtle changes that make a massive difference whereas when you're Watford and all of a sudden then you come in at that water break you're not up and then, you know, you're still, you're still only together at two years. Like the, the physical condition of Limerick is something I've never seen. Like, even, you know, you talk about, I suppose, and if you do compare Limerick to where Kenny were at ever, you know, Richie Hogan is a small enough man. Uh, Richie Power is slight enough. Like, Jesus, fantastic. One of the best hurdles of all time. Aidan Fogarty, savage speed. But that level of physicality where they all look about six foot something. And they all look like they're probably eighty-five kg plus, like they're huge men. And if you, as it, like you said, Waterford just needed to go in those couple of points up. It was the same I thought last year in the, in the final when they had that chance after a minute, and then the the Jack Fagan had a goal chance after a minute fourteen, and then there was uh, Desi Hutchinson didn't give off that ball. Uh, Declan Hannan took him down in the final last year. They had another goal chance there, and then Bennett had another chance just before half time in the 25th minute. And all of a sudden, then they went in three points down at half time. Like they needed to go in up to have that bit of belief to try and kick on against a team like that. But when you go in a half time and you're just you're 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 down by a nice bit again, and then heading in obviously to the third quarter again, there was just the game was over at that stage. The whole Ozzie Gleeson's goal attempt was just such a. That, to me, kind of summed up where they were at. He didn't even have the energy to, you know, he caught a brilliant ball, but didn't even have the energy to run in, lay off a pass, the one there, just just before the Galan goal. He just took yeah, a did, shot. It was a savage save from Quaid, but it just was... Did you think it was the energy?
0: I kind of felt like he didn't want contact, and not, not because of the energy. He just knew that Limerick were so good like he took uh, took that shot on from a long way out.
2: That was. When, it was out at an angle. I know it was kind of the twenty-one, but it it once he caught it, took his four steps, he took the shot. I don't know whether it was content. I'd say he knew that I just said it's like two boxers, you know, when they're kind of coming together and they can't uh they can't just fend off each other there. They're just kind of lining up against each other. I'd say if he came in and hit whoever was coming to him there, I'd say he just would have just fell into his arms and probably hit the ground. He just looked like he didn't have the energy, the same ed- energy Gerard Hegarty had down the far end, where he ploughed for the two boys and laid off a perfect hand pass to Galan. But I said, but I, I said that that's where you, that's where the four games in in 21 days comes against you. We had it back in 2013 when we played Dublin, then Dublin then tipped, then Watford, and that went to extra time um, back in 2013. And again, you win it. And then we got kind of two weeks of a break then to the Cork. But by the time you got to that, even the Watford game, like lads were, lads were being stitched up, literally stitched up kind of, uh, and, you know, between dead legs and hamstrings or you roll an ankle and you're still playing, but you're, you know, you're not going hundred percent. And Watford would have had those little niggly injuries then throughout the whole week. Whereas if you're a Limerick, you're coming in absolutely fresh as a daisy then and you're kind of ready to, you take that hit. I think anyone would have summed up that game or knew that that game was going to happen the way it was. There was going to be an explosive first quarter and then Limerick were just going to power on. That to me is exactly where it was at. I'd say the disappointing thing for Waterford is though that they lost the All-Ireland by 11 points and that again, 12 months on, they lose by 11 points again. I know it's not it's not like for like, but at the same time, I know that you'd like to see some bit of progression there, I'm sure, for Liam Cal. I'm sure he has a lot to deal with or think about over the next few weeks, knowing that Sheedy's probably yeah. going to step away. And if he's looking at something like that and probably going, Jesus, you know, even Caleb Lyons, who I thought had a, had a smashing game and he got two points there as well. Um, he, like, the difference between him and Kyle Hayes down the far end, like, physically there's probably three years of strength and conditioning there that the difference between those those two lads and I kind of wonder will, will Liam Cal kind of go Jesus right I've done a wonderful job and he has he's beaten Galway and and Cork and Clare uh, and Tip over the last two years is he is he just going to go Jesus I go back to Tip I know he's kind of he speaks very passionately about them and all these young lads that he's won all Ireland's with will that kind of just sway them a performance like that on, some, on Saturday again I, I just think myself he might be tempted to go back to to Tipperary if they come calling yeah it's the same problem though does not he? yeah he does but it's his home county like no matter what he's not going to be with waterford in i he, look, you can't see him in waterford in 3 years time whereas in tipperary you could see him actually going in and being there for the next 5 years and i i, I kind of wonder is he just thinking cut my losses. I've done an, he's done an incredible job with Watford. Does he stay there for the next few years? Playing with like who is the better hurlers? Uh okay, I know he has tied the book and Erla Daly might come back there and Stephen O'Keefe might come back then as well. He, you know, he didn't retire. He just kind of took a year out. Um I would still think he'd like to get back to his home county and and give that a crack off. But I agree with what you're saying there. I, I think Tipperary do need someone to kind of come in and and probably clean up what's going on. I know we're kind of getting off topic there a little bit, but I, I think the whole Liam Sheedy, Liam Sheedy, there's Kieran Kingston, and there's Matty Kenny. For me, they all kind of started in around the same time, but if you look at their, obviously Kingston's only year two in it, Matty Kenny came in and he kept on to the old team and then still kept on to the old team, and then a few of them retired. So by the time they retired, they were in year three, and by that stage, it's now... You know his term is up. Sheedy kind of won the All Ireland and then kept on to the same two teams. And now his term is up. It's kind of now we'd nearly need to clean up shop now. And Jesus, then you'd have to start afresh again in year four, and then you'd have to bring all these young lads in. Whereas Kieran Kingston, kind of he after year one, and I think a lot of people aren't talking about Kieran uh, Jer Cunningham. I worked with him in uh, in Dublin as goalkeeping coach in 2017. And obviously he got a lot of stick in 16 when he got got rid of Alan Owen, McCartan, um, Paul Ryan, Conn And he went with all these young lads. Now he's bloody, he was phenomenal with what he did. He had a senior team there um in in 17. He had the under-21 team, so he had Johnny McGurk as his selector, and he also had his uh Johnny McGurk was over the under 20s. So he was J.C. Jair was kind of nearly over the senior team, the under-20 team, the under-21 team. And then anyone he had a third team of lads who weren't making the minors and kind of weren't really on under-20s, but they were in between, that, that, that kind of grade. The Connor Burks, I suppose, is a perfect example there, uh, who's there now. And he had all these lads, and he was working the three teams, and so he was trying to build, I think, a, a dynasty in Dublin. And trying to bring all these young lads through like anyone that's there on the panel now at the moment a lot of these young lads are Don burks and dara grays and trolley or crummy and this kind of stuff Jerry Cunningham was the lad who brought all these lads through and i don't think there's any any kind of coincidence that last winter you had lehan you had aiden welsh you had anthony nash you had uh bill cooper you had carney all bit the bullet or retired or whatever way you want it. I'd imagine he was in the background. He saw this happening before and he went, this needs to, he saw the likes of Dublin, even with under matty Kenny and Liam Sheedy and went, we need to either clean up shop and this is where we're going and kind of, I put the foot down with Kingston, but I know the kind of person he is. He's a, he's a shrewd man. And I think they went, we either, we either do this at year one. We've tried it with all these other lads in year one, and it hasn't worked against Tipperary. It's time to go along now and, just clean the whole thing and start afresh and maybe by year two then or year three in their term um that maybe we have a team here ready to win in all Ireland and build them up that way and I think that's why I think I think they're way ahead of where they thought they would be, but I think that's from the likes of a of a Cunningham there and what he's done. Um, and that's why I think Cork are way ahead of the pack. I think that's why they're number two in the pack because they've done what they've done over there. in say in saying that
0: um that Tony Kelly shot goes in. Yeah. Or like something like that happens and it's seen as it's seen as a failure nearly. And it's seen as you could have lads asking, like, why aren't the likes the Connor Lahan in this panel? Yeah. And
2: <laughs> Oh, it is, yeah. No, it it's that's a it is a great point, yeah. And and again they were up by they were up and, and seemed to be cruising by six points in that game and now similar enough to yesterday and all of a sudden they've now ground out that win and ground out another win and that's that's how you kind of kick things on and more than Limerick a few years ago where they were by far the better team but yet Kenny were grounding it out and nearly you know they scraped over the line by by that that point you know last minute where I think some of the I know Kenny people are still a little bit annoyed with the fact that he should have got a free in and instead it went up the field and and Limerick ended up getting I think it was Tom Marcy ended up getting the winning score um, but that's it. It's look. It's look, as they say, is is timing and preparation, and they've obviously done a huge amount, and they're getting that bit of luck there this year, and that's why you'd still fancy them in the final. I know everyone's given Limerick that to get Limerick. It's pretty much a foregone conclusion. But I just think if they get two weeks rest, that car team are um, Jesus. They're going to be lightning quick.
1: I'm just thinking, and how well they use the war breaks, like. Always has a tactics board out, and if you look at the difference from the first water break, then the second, water, the game was over half time, but there was a point in it at the first water break. Like, if if when the water breaks go, which they eventually go, is are things a little more even?
2: Yeah, it's funny, we had it there this year with Kildare. Um, we went in against Carlo three points up in the, at the water break, and then three points down at half time. Same with Kildare. Um, i think we were four points up against mead and then ended up only two, kind of two points up but they, the whole game kind of switched and it it can be it can be very very annoying the fact that uh, other teams you get to see a tactic and you get to change it up but even if you're doing well against the likes of limerick just say you're flying it against limerick which which obviously uh tip were and Watford were doing very well well then you're not going to change things up but they know they're not playing well. And that's when you're together there five, six years together. You can make subtle changes. You know the calls, you know little things that they've worked on in training. And then all of a sudden you can implement them there at a water break Or just say, "I, you, you, you make a call and you're going, lads, we're just going one inside or two inside for the next few minutes and just say, Peter Casey, I want you out Roman.' Just something similar like that. But they know what's happening. They know what you're looking for because you've gone through years of practice. Whether it was Graham... Mulcahy or whether it was uh, Flanagan that's coming out, but just a small little call. You know, year one, you're getting used to things. Year two, you're kind of, you're building on a little bit more. Maybe it's a puck out strategy. Year three, you're kind of cementing, but now you're kind of, you have a plan A, but maybe now you're implementing a plan B. And now all of a sudden then kind of year four, five, six, then you're really, you know, that's where you start kicking things on. That's where Canark is absolutely, obviously is a genius. Um, and the way, the way the team is, that, that's why I, I feel, again, excuse me if I, I'm going off topic here now, but that's why I feel a lot of teams struggle, especially the developing counties. Um, you look at any, any of these developing counties or anyone that's managing them, pick, just pick any random one. No, the, a manager won't stay in, in place for any more than two or three years. That's it. And then things change over. Um, it is very rare, like you look at, I suppose, Shane O'Brien there is doing a did a wonderful job with Westmead. He's gone after two years. Derry, you had Johnny McGurk and uh, Johnny McGurk was up there and he was gone after two years. What way is that?
0: This is, this is your third year now.
2: Your, this is my year fourth. Is your- yeah, we'll be he- heading into my fourth year. And the it's, it's kind of one of those fourth. things where I'm only getting to... Like this year, I feel we really know how we want to play. I know the league went well; the championship didn't go as well. But you feel they kind of know—they know your cause, they know what you want to do. And I kind of hope in year four we now we know our plan A, and now we kind of hope that we're starting to move on to try and implement the plan B, if if whatever that might be, bring in you know kind of change up the kind of small tactics. Working like working on a puck out strategy is something that's extremely that. It is difficult that you need a few years at it. Um, and just coming in, you know, any of these, as I said, that's why I think it'd be it'd be hugely disappointing for Watford if they did happen to, to lose Liam Cal because they have built an actual style of play. But if you're bringing in another manager, then you start back from zero again. I found it even unusual this year when, just say like so Eddie Brennan, there's another example of a developing ca- uh, manager there, two years gone. And then Cheddar Plunkett comes in there this year and it was, it was interesting after one of his league games, they, they got bet by Wexford and he goes, look, this is year one of our, of our term. And so I was like, Jesus, you can't keep going back to year one again. If you're a developing yeah. county, you have to go on to year. This should be year three or four. Eddie did two. You should nearly be doing what he did, just trying to, you know, kind of keep what he has been doing. And just change it, but it can't be seen as year one again, because I know talking to the Kildare players. Jesus, they, they hate the fact of Jesus, the new management coming in um and things change up again. And obviously, when a new management comes into some of these development counties as well, what happens is players go, all right, I'll drift off. That's why it's going to be interesting um, to see now Kerry managers with Fintan O'Connor going and Shane O'Brien going, how many players end up kind of going, I look, I'll just. Exit stage left. I'm hoping they do. I hope all fifteen if thirty players head off <laughs> themselves. That's why I just think it is. It's extremely important the likes of Liam Cal stays on, but I I don't think he is. And then it'll be interesting to see what way we'll Watford then will they fall back into the pack, um, and then the likes of Cork and and Limerick then become the two dominant forces then in Munster.
0: We had two kind of with two situations of a possible red card and then a red card. So first you had. Jamie Barron hitting Grodd hagerty mm. a bit of a shunt in
2: the in the stomach. Now, he, he didn't hit him in the stomach. That's the thing. He was so bad at punching, he actually punched his right arm. He <laughs> went all the way across, even though he looks like he is dying the arms. But he went all the way across and actually hit the arm. Now, it was a bit of a dive of, of hagerty But if you look at it from the the reverse side of it, his arm comes all the way across. He doesn't actually go. But it was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous thing to do. And how...
0: It was ridiculous, and like, if I think if he did get a red card, he couldn't really have had any, had any arguments, even though I think kind of the common-sense approach is taken.
2: Was it no red sure. card? It was, but it was also like, I suppose, if you had a younger brother and he came up and gave you a dead arm, you're not going to, you know, he's so small in comparison to Gerard Hegarty. I think the ref <laughs> kind of looked and went, there's no way that a punch from him there is going to end up with you on the ground. It shouldn't. And he yeah, kind of yeah. just went, get up and let's just move on with it. It was it was a rush of blood. The second one, Peter Casey, Jesus, yeah. you would have to think that J.P. McManus <laughs> is going to get him off it. I, I don't know how he's not. I can't.
0: It's, it's hard to see what actually happened. Well, that's, that's the, It'd that's, be ridiculous to think that he
2: went for the diving headbutt. <laughs> see, it, I would imagine if you're going to look at that the thing is, though, and we've had a couple of, of red cards with um, with now, and, and what you have to do is you have to, go, you have to prove beyond reasonable doubt that he didn't do it. Yeah. So it's not a case that he did do it or what he didn't do; it's a case of beyond reasonable doubt that nothing happened. How you can that's going to be hard to do. It very, but then the only thing is the only camera angle that's there, the one that's close up, the the incidents after happening and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hurl is, is gone out of hand Who's the Waterford lad again? Connor Gleeson Yeah, so the, the hurl has gone out of his hand you could, you could argue That he grabbed onto Peter Casey's hurl And pulled him in And then Connor Gleeson's hurl went flying yeah. That's if If you're If you have the best lawyers In the country Which I cannot imagine he will not have It's I'd be amazed. Like if you look at the, a few years ago, when obviously um, when Costello got off the the red card up in Dublin there in the semi final for for supposedly shouting something at the the linesman there last year, and then he got off it. I would think it's it's down that route. I think that the best lawyers of all time will be in fighting his case, and I would say that he'll um, he'll get off it. Yeah, I I, I just.
0: It, uh, did did Connor Gleason miss an uh, All-Ireland red card as well that he He, he did
1: and he missed the game this year as well with a red card. Yeah.
0: And he, he flicked Joe Canning, was it?
1: I reckon he'll come forward though.
2: That's the that's only the- other that's the only thing that could happen. I tell you he'll probably go out and find himself with a brand new Porsche or Lamborghini out in his front porch or right? a <laughs> uh, with a limerick ridge on it. But he's uh, <laughs> I think I honestly do think he pulled Peter Casey into him and the only way Casey had of getting like if if he wasn't tied up I'm sure you would reach out and you'd you know you'd automatically hit someone with your right hand and kind of go go away from me but because yeah. his hand was coming in I think he just kind of went go away from me that kind of thing and then he took a, a dive but I just uh, Christ you know looking back last night at the Sunday game and obviously scored five points against Tip, but looking back in the Sunday game last night and, you know, when they kind of, they crop obviously everything down just to the scores and the key moments of the game. And you just see Peter Casey being involved in every, in, in nearly every second score. He's just vital, even going down to the 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 sideline that that led to Gerard Hegarty, that led to Galanik. Like he was the one that caught it. Um, and set up and set up set up yeah. that move, but he's gonna be a vital player to be missing if it is the case, because I don't think Limerick are getting a whole lot off their bench. And even if you do start with Graham O'Cahy, it's just another person that's kinda of gone off. McCahy okay, probably hasn't been on great form this year or last no, year, really. No, he hasn't. I thought he was I thought he was player of the year when they won it back in eighteen, but I know Keane Lynch got in the end. The st- I thought Graham O'Cahy didn't have the he didn't have the look of a player of the year, if that makes sense. He didn't fill the stature. He wasn't media hungry enough to win player of the year, even though he had an exceptional year and he was scoring probably four points a game. But they didn't give it to him. I think Keen Lynch has been phenomenal since, but I thought he was better than Keen Lynch that year. Yeah, he, I suppose he's been in and out of form, but then again, it's been a very settled, or it seems like a very settled Limerick team. And if you are kind of that number, you know, you're just getting 10 minutes at the end of the game. It's it's easy enough you know, and then if you are starting and he's starting the last day instead of galan like if you're going into that game no more than Barrett yesterday knowing the Kingston's on the sideline you know there's extra 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 pressure on you knowing that one of the one of the fan favorites is on the sideline mm-hmm. and you have to come on and make sure that you get the score it's not as easy you're, you're 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 ex that extra bit of nervous and you know if you don't get the first ball and 10 minutes goes by and 20 minutes goes by you just know I'm gonna be pulled ashore here so maybe in the final knowing that is a bit more, a small bit more freedom there. Maybe they're, they're, that might kind of, you know, loosen things up and, and give him that extra bit of a buzz then to, to play in a final, knowing that there's not, a, I suppose, like I say, a, a, a straightaway Galan that's going to come on and try and replace you. It might give him that extra bit of freedom there in, in the final. Is that, the hel- is, that
0: is, of course, if uh, if Casey misses doesn't it. Get it. If he doesn't get is off.
1: Is the helmet the helmet thing, all right? Looking at us, what a head, yeah, headbutt fella, fair enough, red card. But I look at it like you're hitting your helmet to helmet, like no one is getting hurt at all. No. Like, is that judged a bit too harshly in general? Like, you no, know, it you is,
2: mean, it is, yeah.
1: I'm not advocating for headbutts, like, but you know, come no, on, no, it sounds
0: like you are, Ben. Like, what, what if you started letting them away? You just have everyone going around knocking
2: heads. And there'd be some going before a match if you just went up, oh. shook hands, and everyone lamped your man with a headbutt.
1: <laughs> no, but I yeah. suppose
2: you're talking about concussion. If two helmets hit each other, you know, you, you could argue that. But no, it, it looks. I, I look, Gerald Hegarty shouldn't have taken a dive, and Connor Gleason shouldn't have taken a dive. And they are dives. There's not, they weren't. There wasn't enough contact to be rolling on the ground. And if you actually look back at it, you see Gleason kind of rolling around, looking up at the ref and going, yep, and then heading back down again. There was just a small little glimpse uh, where he just took that small little look up and, um, yeah, tried to see, yeah, I've kind of got him here, but, nah.
0: How how do you stop that creeping into the game? Was it it Tommy Walsh that... uh... Even if he got a belt that he'd refused to show that it affected him at all, he'd be he'd always be straight back up. Or did he talk about that before? Yeah.
2: No, he, he said that it was Benny Dunn in the All and final in, in and, 2011.
1: Nine, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, he, sorry, it was nine. It was nine, yes. Um, and he he went to the ground, felt his felt his face for about a second, and then jumped up. And he made that point where it was uh I think it was his father had said it to him. When he was a young lad that don't show any weakness by don't rolling around the ground. So he that's just been his motto. He's just jumped back up again. No matter what, that's what he do. So um yeah, how do you stop it creeping into a game? I, it's uh I, I, the only thing is what you I suppose what referees are doing is is they're just kind of waving on with a yellow card there this year in one of our games when the lads kind of inside the 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 21 took a dive. If you take a dive inside the twenty-one, you get a yellow card for it. But maybe, like, what's the difference between taking a dive there and taking a dive out the field, you know, I suppose? The only thing is, refs are going to be a little bit scared about giving a yellow for something like that, for rolling around, because you know yourself, all, all it takes is to look back.
0: One one person to be actually hurt and rolling around and getting a yellow card, and then the ref's the yeah. worst person in the world.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And then, and then you're kind of... Then you're really nervous as a referee because if he does something again and you're like, Oh Christ, now I have to give him a red card for this. It, it's not really worth it. But yeah, it's it's there is a slight bit kind of creeping in, there's no doubt about it. You you see the you see the amount of reds that are kind of uh even the Joe Canning thing, the pullback with Connor Gleason then in the in the match yeah. previous. I don't know, was I don't know whether that was like he went off with the hand in the sling and then came back out and is the top hurler, of the to, top top score of all time? Still I to
1: pick out Jason <laughs> Flynn with that pass?
0: Yes, he, did, he he did say it was really sore
1: at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's down to the refs, isn't it? Like, surely, if you're fouled, right, and you don't go down, most mo- a lot of the time you don't get the free. But if you no, go you, down, yeah. you'll get the free. Like, so if the refs start pulling up for a foul, you know. Again, we'll have 43s a game, but if the refs don't give it unless you go down, that's lads are going to go down.
2: Especially when there's just such fine margins there as well where you kind of know, right, if I if I get a belt here and kind of go down, there's a chance we, you know, there's a red card, you know, and then all of a sudden, Christ, you have an extra man back there in front of your whole full back line there for the rest of the game, giving in perfect ball. Lads are, are willing to take a risk. I said, look, it depends on the type of person you are. The type of player you are. There's the Tommy Welsh, and then there's the the non-Tommy Welsh type. I can't name any names. I think I've insulted enough people. Know <laughs> who who
0: did you Who did you want to say there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's very few who are not the Tommy Welsh. <laughs> who are? Yeah. Uh, in, fair, in fairness, oh, not. No. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. No, it's true. It's true, and, uh, and they're in every. They're in every team. You you know them, and they're. But then there's the other. There's the other lunatics. Then who. You know, they could get... Someone could pull across the... Geez, we'd have a few lads with the club team. But someone could pull across their head and they would stand up and pull across back. And you're thinking, God love you. Why? And next thing, it's two reds. And you're thinking, yeah, Jesus, just one. for once. Just go down. <laughs> and that's it. Or else or else someone would pull across their head and you're thinking, lovely, your man's getting a straight red. And just as someone's walking off the field, over you go and hit your man a dunt. He falls down and then that's it. There's the...
1: Even though... <laughs> Stop, yeah. Intelligence is huge It is though and,
2: and Oh Yeah Again Yeah You see on certain teams That you're kind of in, Involved with And it's just the wrong lad Gets hit So you, you, you've got a man sent off Just I, I'm talking In every team That I'm involved with I, I don't want to Go specific on a team But then something happens Like 10 minutes later You know A lad's helmet Is ripped off In a fight and next thing, your man quickly puts the, puts the helmet back on again and goes over for your man for a box. You're like, Jesus, go down. Like, make a meal of it. Do something. In your own head, you're like, you're not shouting it on. But certain lads, it just, you have to be kind of cute. But then again, you don't want to be saying that to, before a match either, kind of going, lads, if they hit you, go down and roll around. Like, it's just. Yeah.
0: It's, you're, you're kind of hoping. You should, should just, yeah, you hope that they have the sense at, at the moment in time. Yeah. Uh, it's back onto the hurling, and I suppose when Casey did come out, there was a stage where the ball just kept getting hit down to Flanagan. He'd win it and hit it over the shoulder and over the bar. <laughs> How do you defend against that?
2: Oh, he's he's. I was trying to actually think. Um, watching him, was there any Kilkenny hurler that was like that? That was able to get a ball and then shoot, shoot at such an angle where. You cannot get a block in, no matter how tight you are or think you are. You cannot get a block in, and uh,
0: Richie Hogan. Richie been, Hogan, he would have been good at yeah, the old over the, the shoulder. I'm sure he still one.
2: is. He is, and he Richie would fall down doing it. He that was his that was his signature move. That he'd run, <laughs> he'd run, kind of uh, hit out so wide, and then kind of fall at the same time. But he's uh it's very very difficult because obviously to try and get the power in at that height and the accuracy is. It's a phenomenal skill. Christ, it, it's so difficult to do because you even saw yesterday um, Alan Cadigan tried one and Pat Horgan tried one and both of them kind of lofted in. One went wide in the near post and one was lofted into Owen Murphy. But it's such a difficult thing. Fanecourt just never seems to miss hit. It's just that perfect shot and it's just sailing, sailing with 20 yards to spare over a bar. But he's had a, he's had a phenomenal season. He's really kind of yeah. kicked on now, especially this year. Horgan yeah. did
1: get one in the first half incredible he going
2: thing. in the first half sorry yeah it was yeah. the te- second half i was thinking underneath then the the canal end jesus i'm not he he a he'd a ferocious game in six it's- from play but there was but i suppose what i'm saying is consistently horgan is another lad that can definitely do it i'm just trying to think there yesterday in that match two lads that did an example of it that certain lads have the ability to do it some lads I suppose consistently some lads don't I'd say the work that Seamus Lannigan has put into that has yeah. been incredible.
1: Because if you remember, when they did win it in 2018, I think he was on. Yeah. But he could, barely, he could barely hit the ball. Like You know, he was yeah. a ball winner. So the amount of work he was putting to perfect that must have been unreal.
2: Yeah. And then he kind of fell out of favour for a while. You know, he wasn't... he was 19 wasn't the main man at all. Then it, yeah. um, they kind of went away from So So it, it was funny. And he was... He was, he was nearly the poster boy, along with Keane Lynch, he was nearly the poster boy on ads and the programmes and different things, Flanagan the whole time, and maybe that kind of got to him, but he's hes kind of reinventing himself now, the size of him as well, the way that, you know, obviously they're delivering perfect ball in, they're working it out to midfield, when you have the likes of Hayes and, and Hannon and Jesus, even Dan Morrissey there bursting out like at all times. Uh, Burns and then given that inch perfect ball out in front of him, that he's able to win it and then kind of start it over the bar But oh Christ, he, he, you know they can they, he can win it ugly and he can win it perfectly out kind of in front. He is the he's a fair old package now at this stage. And the photos, you know,
1: when they when they show the team and the photo of Seamus Flanagan is always him with the mustache. <laughs> class. I didn't notice that. Oh, always, and I don't. I've never seen him in a mustache in reality. Just. Just on this photo,
2: you remember last year they did that the the video for charity. Um, remember they all had it the Jesus catching the wool, is it or the that yoke? Oh, that's it. Yeah, they did. Everyone did a charity video um, last year when everyone was doing during lockdown. But if you look back at the two Flanagan's one, he did the. I'm pretty sure he was the one that you know the Friday feeling. You know your man there gets out and starts dancing in the car. Yeah, I can't picture no, it. I'm that. not going to start singing now, but you know your man. Every Friday, there's your man that gets out of the car. Like, it's Friday, then, it's Saturday, Sunday. Uh, but he did that one. But he, he just looks like he has a. It was himself and a brother. But they. they oh just, no, no, I know
0: the video you're talking about now. Yeah, the yeah. song you singing was good enough there. Yeah.
2: Thank you. <laughs> but they, yeah, he looks just looks like a great old character as as well, kind of kind of a, a solid man. I think a lot of the lads are. are a lot of them were kind of good old lads back in 14. You would have got to know a few of them after kind of, obviously we played them um, and then you'd meet them at different kind of events later on that year, but they were a solid bunch of lads, but uh, it's funny. I remember talking to Shane Dowling in, I think it was about 15 and uh, TJ Ryan was, was, was leaving. It was, it was actually TJ Ryan was leaving 15. So 16 and then Kylie came in and, um, and it was kind of going, who's going to take over? And then all of a sudden, I remember talking to him at a, at, at a match. He was, they were after getting bet. And I asked him, who would he like to get in? And it was a toss up between Anthony Daly at the time and Kylie was after winning under 20 odd, under, under 21 odd earned. And he goes, I just think Anthony Daly would be better crack. Kylie just looks a bit too serious, you know, for the job. Like, you know, I just, I'd like, you know, you know, it, you just knew that that was their kind of personality back then. That Jesus, just get someone in who's probably good enough old manager, but decent man on the beard. And afterwards, it's just amazing <laughs> yeah. how their whole mindset has changed to where they're at at the moment. That they're such Jesus, the size of them. I, I just I can't get over even even the way I don't know whether it's the fact that they don't have sponsorship on the front of their jerseys, but they just all look like they have incredible pecs, like just that that way that they are. It's just it's hey, mode, the whole lot of them.
1: I've actually noticed Keen Lynch's top was pulled up a bit on Saturday and he is not quite as chiseled as he was back in twenty eighteen. Right. Big, big news. Big news. <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't <laughs> wait so, to get his top We got off a soundbite right there. <laughs> He's after uh, letting uh, himself uh, go.
2: Yeah. You'd you'd kinda of wonder though again getting into the kind of strength and conditioning sometimes you can go down that route where you, you try and get yourself chiseled you did it yourself there's a nice uh, picture of you online after a game but the, see do you know what that was the fattest I say I was, I was for about four years that time sorry not not fattest that's that's not to be fattest um, But <laughs> uh, our body And but in, in in 12 I got myself to five percent body fat like there was, there was nothing there was absolutely nothing on it but i was in goal and then i started picking up injuries but it's funny maybe the whole keen lynch thing maybe he had himself chiseled but then was a slight enough lad and realized well, if i'm center forward and in that kind of melting pot there of that eight um there's no point having these absolutely incredible eight abs um or eight pack if if i can't then course through a few tackles and maybe then that's where your strength and conditioning coach comes in and goes "Well, you have to start putting on an extra few kg that might mean that it's a little bit fat and a little bit of fat that's in it but it might mean then that you have that extra bit of strength then going into those tackles and that you're not picking up those injuries because it's uh, like that in 12 that was kind of my own stupidity of Paddy Hogan said to me brilliant in, in a in a, in a 2012 semi-final uh, against Lar Corbett I went out to raise up a ball and Lara landed me on the arse and the ball ends up in the back of the net for Tipperary um, and Paddy Hogan goes you can have you can have as much six packs as you want but if you can't if you can't stand up to a shoulder you're not worth a shit Like, and it was fair point that was it like it was it was just stupidity so maybe just they have everything down to a t and maybe he noticed that maybe i'm not maybe it was the 2019 where he got kind of got bullied around the place a little bit by kenny and went right i'm going down the other road route of putting on an extra bit of muscle it might mean an extra bit of fat but it means it's an extra bit of padding um especially with how skillful he is then as well there you go ben i'll start slagging off (laughs)
1: i'm still i'm still an avid supporter of the six-pack I think, it, I think that's where he should go.
2: I think it's it's absolutely key, definitely. But it's it's interesting <laughs> that you know that. In fairness,
1: oh well, I was amazed in twenty eighteen how much he wanted. He couldn't wait to show off the six pack. Yeah, and since then, no, yeah, now maybe he was talk, spoken to about it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there'll be an
0: interview after coming out about how he's disappointed he can't take his top off anymore because management have made him. Pack on a few pounds.
2: <laughs> never know, maybe he's after picking up a, a partner and then let himself slide. You just never know. <laughs> well, he was certainly. player of the year, he was player of the year back in, in 18, so see, life was good <laughs> back then anyway.
1: Everyone buying him pints.
2: True. Hello, does he even drink? Jeez, he, he seems crazy. Just, he seems like a good man he's out that he's, was it, sorry, was it last year there that he got, um, he got the All-Star Award and, uh, Jesus, they they interviewed him. It was, remember Marty Morrissey interviewed him and he was in his sister's hairdressing salon or something like that. But there was some random pictures in the background. It was <laughs> I don't know if you went back and kind of Googled the interview, but it was just you know, like nearly the Marilyn Monroe one where it's kind of illuminous, that picture was in the background, but it was a very it just wasn't your usual, I suppose, background for receiving an all-star kind of crack. You just knew it had to be out there. He was over in his sister's <laughs> place. But
1: he yeah, had the rat's of, tail a few years ago.
2: Did you, Christos? Was... Yeah. Uh, he has, he has, he seems to have kind of settled down. He is, Jesus, that kind of leader now at this stage, isn't he? I, I give him the last day getting three points as well. And, you know, all the talk before the match was, who's going to mark him? You know, is someone going to do a man marking job? And then after about a minute, he's a, he's a savage point over the bar. Like he's just, he just is class. Really? He's a different type of center forward. That's kind of out there at the moment. The Tony Kelly is, I suppose a little bit more rangy and a bit, you know, kind of roaming around the place. But he, he just, he seems to just work that whole area fantastically. But his ability to be able to pick up a ball or control a ball in a tight space and lay it off, yeah. Jesus, he's, he's second to none really in that area.
0: I always get the feeling that he could score way more himself if he actually wanted to. It's like, it's yeah. nearly too easy for him sometimes. Like he, he'll, he'll always pass it and he'll always pass it quickly. Whereas yes, you know... It, it, if he didn't you know what, have the other players around him, I'd say he'd be coming off the field with six or seven points from players. There himself. are certain
2: lads. There are certain lads that are like that. Richie Power was another one like that. That, like, ended up with a huge amount of scores. But Richie was nearly got himself into a a case of I'm going to just keep passing. It. He just wanted to be the passer. I suppose it was always kind of that thing that that you always give it to the man in the better position. But Richie Power was was a serious man for that he didn't get half the scores that he should have got because he was just just giving off those passes you know when other lads wouldn't he was he was brilliant at it he
0: still got enough against Wexford <laughs>
1: down, down through the years
2: enough, yeah.
1: <laughs> so obviously you're a bit disappointed over the after the weekend's result where Cork won do you feel that were they deserving?
2: Cork were 100% deserving yeah um, they, they got off to a, a bit of a slow start alright Um and then, obviously, it was 6-2 down, but then got, were cracking. Then, like, Jesus, they hit they hit spells where they were just nearly going nine scores. Then, without Kilkenny replying, and then they would fall back a bit, and then they'd kick on. Kilkenny went four ahead. But I didn't think Kilkenny were playing particularly well when they went four ahead. Um, They were winning freeze. I thought there was some, you know, Alan Murphy got fouled. It was, um, Billy Ryan got fouled. But they, you know, they weren't in possession. It, it was, they were... Silly enough, it, it seemed like a small bit of panic coming into Cork, and obviously TJ was picking them off. And then they just got that burst, then where they they hit 10 nearly in a row. I think it was a 10 points to one they hit um, to go six points ahead. But they were cruising. Like, and if Pat Horgan hits over that 65, they win by four points, and that's the end of that. But once they were within a score, you always felt that Kilkenny had a chance of kind of coming back. Um, I, I just. Uh, i thought cork were playing a far superior style of hurling um they they kept it you know even the likes of pat collins like i know everyone will will talk about how good owen murphy uh was and is he's he's for me he's the best i know you're obviously with extra men and and damien fitz henry's number one for you uh for me owen murphy is is the greatest goalie that's ever played it for like his touch reflexes speed uh, Catch he has, he's just his ability, his hurling ability is second to none, and, and that's why I think he is the best goalkeeper. But I th- I think Pat Collins deserves huge respect for the way that he played yesterday. I think he's having a phenomenal year. Um, his ability to be able to hit a, hit the puck out the way he's able to do it, to be able to go short, to be able to drill a ball like I know they have Christy O'Connor as their goalkeeping coach as well, who is one of those top top. Um, coaches in the country but Cork would just leave one side of the field completely empty and then he's able to then place that ball beautifully out in front of a half forward who's then able to then give that perfect ball into Alan Callaghan or Horgan or Jack O'Connor but I just thought Pat Collins uh, doesn't deserve enough credit down the uh, on the Cork side for the way he played yesterday, the way he set up attacks, the way he how comfortable he was in the ball, granted that one back pass kind of went awry and, and could have been punished for But I think he was, uh, I I thought he was superb. But Owen was superb for totally different reasons for the saves that he made. But for me, the final is going to be an epic final because of the two goalkeepers, the way they play and the way that they're able to pick out the puck outs and the way they've spent so much time on puck outs and winning their own possession. Like Kilkenny are still going fairly route one with everything that they do. I know people are are saying that um, they've changed up their style of play. They have to a certain degree, but you've got to be, you got to be practising that for years. Um, and, I, and I think Cork have been practising it for years, but now they've kind of got that killer instinct there where they're kind of starting to go for goals. Um, and what that does then is that puts up, because they've, they've hit 25 goals in their nine games, they 24 before yesterday. Teams are scared shitless playing them now. And they're starting to sit back and they and then that's opening up where they can score points from out the field uh, from the likes of Kingston coming on, but they can still punish and only for own yesterday they easily could have got themselves in for three goals. But they're I just thought it was I I think they're by far mm-hmm. the better team yesterday. I thought they were um they were excellent for long periods and that and kind of showed then when it came into that uh, added time then as well. The puck-out stats were
1: telling actually in Cork won eighty percent of the puckouts, and Kilkenny won what, 50,
2: fifty-six. If you ask me, Owen, it is the best goalie of all time, but I just think the puckout side of things, Kilkenny, and and it's not Owen's fault. Like Owen will put it between your eyes if if he's given the opportunity, but Kilkenny just don't set up in any kind of a puckout strategy at all. From what I can see, like I don't know how many times. For me, you need midfielders, you need half-fours, the ball kind of placed out. But in order for that to happen, you need to nearly have your half-backs to disappear. Just, you know, for a number seven to get out and clear a channel, then for a number 12 to be able to run into that or a midfield. But uh, this is, this is, I suppose, what he what spoke about earlier on. You can only do that as time kind of moves on. Um, but I think Cork must have spent... A serious amount of time at that. But then again, you need a keeper that's able to drill a ball into that. I remember looking at the league game, uh, Limerick against Cork. The Gaelic grounds down in Limerick. I know it is a short enough. It's a shorter pitch than normal. But he seemed to be able to drill a ball from his goal down to the far 21. Barely going above head height. And he did it there yesterday with the first pocket, if you noticed, The half forward kind of moved and he was able to drill a ball straight up into kind of Jack O'Connor up in the corner. It's... He's a serious weapon, whether I don't, I don't know how you practice that or how you get that into you, but I can see why I suppose Nash was was put to the side put to one side um for this lad. Because I'd say they saw this lad coming, and, and if they didn't, if they didn't act on it quick enough, if they kept Nash there maybe for another year, who knows? Then that's where your kind of your your subkeeper kind of goes stale a little bit. And I just thought they probably thought. Christ, this lad is ripe and ready to actually bring our game plan onto a new level.
0: It was highlighted on the Sunday game last week after the Dublin game. Some of the puckouts that just, I think he hit Seamus Harnady three times at different times and it was just yeah. poked fr- from Collins. Harnedy catches it in the space and put it over the bar. And I just thought, like, it was incredible that, that they got away with it three times, that they were allowed to do it three times, but it's obviously down to the quality as well. Oh
2: and the work that they put in on um, making sure that space is there. And that's and see that that's it's such a difficult thing to do. Like you're um when you're trying to get your team set up for puckouts and you're trying to get movement, but then that next level of puckouts, you know, you're trying to get everything done and done right, but that's nearly where you, you need to have a very a uh, very confident manager and set of coaches that you'd nearly turn up to a training session and go, we are only doing puckouts today. And that is it. Nothing else. Like it's, And I think it's a difficult thing uh, enough to do to kind of go, this is all we're doing today. And they must be doing it because to, for it to happen, if it happens once, you'd say fair enough. But like you say there, it happens three times against Dublin. It happened time and time again there. Where you, you remember like even where you saw Conor Delaney came on, Jack, Jack O'Connor and he just burnt him a few times there in extra time because there was that oceans of space. And all it takes is a midfielder, you know, again, if, if the midfielder runs, um, if Fitzgibbon runs and he can come on again, or Luke Mead runs and you don't pick him up, he can he can nail a ball into his hand, so you have to follow him. But by following him, it means you leave this oceans of space then uh, in front of a half forward line. And uh, I think for different reasons, he had a good save as well, uh, yesterday, Collins. Off, uh, it was Billy Ryan But for different reason I thought he had a, he had a phenomenal game And I, I think it's it's probably one of those years Where you can make an argument For Collins, Quaid or Owen Murphy Who'd get the all-star I think it's probably the, the best year For whoever does uh, make it My God, they, they deserve it I'd say Owen Murphy has it sewn up now To be honest Like he made the two saves yesterday He made no saves against Dublin And he made a cracker against Wexford not to not to this anything, but I just think there, there's so many other elements to the goalkeeper. I think the puckouts is such a massive thing. I think it's wide open in the final, but people do generally then just kind of look back to who made a load of saves, and that's it. I just think the game has just evolved like it's like the Stephen Clarkson thing. Like he didn't, well, he lost two kickouts there at the start of an Ireland against Tyrone, and everyone thought he was crumbling, and then won twenty three out of the next twenty five kicked them out. Like it's, I think. I think that's a massive element. Your team, if you have in hurling, you thirty puck outs, but if you're only winning half them, and then the other lads winning eighty uh, percent, I think that that has to come into the equation as well. I think I think Owen is probably is definitely the favourite. If someone has a crack and finally pull off the likes of Quaid, I know he's he's spoken off extreme. He's had a he has had a great year as well though with, with um, some of the saves against Cork as well. I just I just think the three of them, you can make an argument for them all. I think they're all absolutely brilliant keepers. There was a situation in the in the game which I
1: thought, if you remember, Adrian Mullen hit a forty-yard ball back to Owen Murphy, and I was thinking, there's no way that would happen in your day. <laughs> what, so wait, took... wait, because of David? Or... <laughs> no. No. <laughs>
2: no. Uh, uh sorry, that's the way I took it up initially. Thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the umpires are waving the green flag but it no it wouldn't have it it just didn't happen I suppose there was a small bit of it I remember it, like 2011 there was a few in the, in the semi-final against um Watford Jackie passed back a couple but then it was just route one you absolutely launched it as far as you could but the day but that's well, I think Collins is brilliant. They're giving the ball back to him and then they're restarting on the far side of the field. It's not just a case of, you know, they did that, they did that to, like Mullins gave it back to Owen, but I'd probably guess, I forget that that exact one, but I'm probably guessing that he went along and launched it then afterwards. Um, I know he gave one great ball off his left, straight down the centre to, to Conor Fogarty, um, which I'd like him to see him doing a little bit more. But Owen can only do that if the team is set up if you have players running off into space. I thought Owen was absolutely brilliant at doing this. If if you look back to the 2015 semi-final, uh, the goal that TJ Reid got, uh, the ball is into Owen, and Owen has it on his right, but he swivels over to his left and gives an inch perfect ball to Michael Fenley, who was the master of this, and it's tr- I'm always trying to get midfielders to do it, where you run into space, you're not running towards the keeper, you're running off into space, you run over to where the tunnel was, Fenley, and he gave a perfect ball out to space. Fenley turned around, hit it in, and uh, the two, kind of the full-back and the cornerback, went up. TJ got and stuck in the back of the net, and it was kind of the decisive score. But you need to have players around the field that are actually moving and running for it. And I just got the feeling that as time went on yesterday, uh, there was a few times early on Owen was giving a chart, but then I say the Kenny players were just knackered running after the Cork lads, and then they just start all it takes. I've often said it's a bit like take me out where you should look out and you should see 14 lights on. But all of a sudden, one lad turns his back and it's like, boom, 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 boom. Like, just the lights are all going out. And all of a sudden, then the only lad looking at you or two lads looking at you are Billy Ryan and TJ Reid up in the full forward line. And you just have to then just launch it. Um, that whereas, that, is,
0: that is the first take me out reference we've had on the podcast. Thanks for that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but like, it, the difference with Pat Collins get the ball back. And next thing, he is fourteen. All the lights are on, like, um yeah. and he can pick out anyone, and they're all moving, looking for it. were talks about Cork running so much for puckouts at the
0: start of the games that they were wearing wearing themselves out. Are they are they being smarter with it now?
2: Yeah, and then didn't didn't I hear that even like with Pep Guardiola and Man City as well that they were doing so much moving, but now they're just moving. Uh, they're they're moving less, but it's just using more intelligence. Um, on the ball that they're not all over the place and looking for it. it's just a case of all it takes is like I said um, Luke Mead heads left and all of a sudden then or, or whatever and, and or sorry he heads he heads to his his left and all of a sudden that leaves a, a massive big hole then for Robbie O'Flynn then that you can just plant a puck down on top of or or uh Mellorick kind of moves and then all of a sudden you can just plant a ball then out to like Luke Mead. It's just, it's small little clever little moves. It's just chess moves. But you, you have to be practicing this the whole time um, in order for that to work. And again, you know, obviously having played in goal, people often ask you, well, how are you going, you know, they'd, they'd ask you, how are you going to get, uh, how are we going to improve our puckouts? outs if just if, say some coach, club coach is talking to you. You're kind of going to, it doesn't it's not just a one training session where you go down and go right lads this is our structure and we got to we're going to work on it tonight and that's it it's something that you nearly need to do on a weekly basis where you nearly just go half an hour this is our puck out and we keep going over it and over it until every single person knows it and even at that i'd imagine you nearly have to have things video the way things have gone i i think but it's all right doing those puckouts, but then you nearly need to show the kind of video footage back. And that's where you, you nearly have to have the money. Then the, the top class teams nearly have a video a side on view and then a view from uh, behind the goals. But that's the other thing that, you know, coaches would often ask you, how do you prove the puck out? And I'd say you go down and stand behind the goalkeeper. We would have had this in training um, and I'd have frustration with Brian and he'd have frustration with me on on puckouts when he'd stand out in the middle, He'd have his back turned to the six forward who I'm trying to hit the ball to. He's like, I'm waiting for them to move. They don't move. He's shouting at me, roaring at me to puck the ball. And I'm roaring back that nobody's fucking moving. Like yeah. and then of course he turns around and everyone starts moving. It's a bit like, you know. <laughs> and then he's looking back at me and going, I'm looking at them moving. I'm like, yeah, they're moving now because you're looking at them. But if you're ever a coach and you want to improve in your puckouts, don't go out and stand like a referee. Stand behind the goal, stand beside the goalkeeper and see what he's seeing. And then have a conversation with him um, about about what you're seeing, and, and it just it'll open your eyes as to, gee, you know, like I said, there a half forward moves over to the far side of the field, and then you have a corner forward who has his back turned to you, so that that option is now gone. Your man's done a wonderful move of of clearing the space, and then that this the, the corner forward has just got his back turned to you, so it's um, look. I know you didn't ask, but that's just if you're ever oh, trying to... Press-
0: just wondering, did you did you have beef with some of them forwards for for duping you into it? and <laughs>
2: uh, there was a few of them there. Like so Richie Power was a great man for not moving, and then when Cody turned around, he'd move on. Larkin was another lad as well. <laughs> but it's uh, but then again, I suppose they'd have the probably the utmost confidence in their own ability to catch a ball. And when you have a hand like Richie, your own, well, then why would you move? You know, when yeah. you can actually just stick up a hand and catch it over anyone's head. So they are um. Maybe, maybe I was kind of wrong. Maybe they were just like, just poke it down and I'll catch it. doesn't matter who I'm marking. They weren't bad at it. There was a couple they, there were a couple more as well. <laughs> and it's true. And, and, and there's the thing, like, it goes back to, you have to have a kind of a, a mantra, which Brian has, that if you can't win your, you have to be able to win your 50-50 ball, man on man. And if you can't, well, then why are you on the team? So it, it it's about, I suppose, him getting away from... well, And I, I think this is where the argument with Colin Fenley was last year, kind of going, well, maybe if we just kind of went away, maybe if we just tried to work the ball out. And the, like, I thought Sean Flynn, um, he was with Tipperary there in 2019. He did up a brilliant video. Uh, you should look it up, lads, um, if you haven't ever seen it. And it's, it's where Limerick transformed, where they, they were in 2016, where they used to clear the ball from to where they clear the ball where they now clear the ball from. So they had all the percent, they had the two years side by side, and it was a case of back in 2016, they were clear and just say, just say they might clear 15 balls from inside their 40, and they'd win 30%. But the further out the field, when he gets to that clearance and so on, then out to between the 65s, obviously uh, they were getting far more, a decent ball into the forwards they were able to give better ball and because of that the percentage rate went up so now you have the beast that you have in that half back line they're able to break out tackles the midfielders are able to break tackles and then deliver perfect ball in And um, that's how they've kind of you know, they realised that unless they kind of have the strength that they can't be knocked back in their arse they're able to break through tackles and give in that inch perfect ball into the lads um, and that's where they've kind of transformed things I don't think that's a I think Cork are kind of at that, but just physically I think they're extremely young. I think they've they've eleven lads from that under twenty team from 2018, um that played against that played sorry, ten of them played against Clare. Uh Decky Dalton was the only lad who didn't, and obviously he came on there yesterday. But they've just they've reinvested in the youth side of things, whereas Tipperary only had two from that 2018 team. But you need to have legs and you need to have that physicality. And that's why I think like when you look at the age of this team kind of coming through, if they get a bit more strength and conditioning into them, I, I think they're going to be hard stopped in a few years' time.
0: I have to say that I expected Kilkenny to win that game, and I thought it was going to be their physicality that was going to do it. And I was really impressed with Cork the way they stood up to Kilkenny and in a couple of different moments. Like TJ Reed was going through on goal once and he was stood yeah. up by uh, by I assume it was Downey and Some one of the other lads, there was Coleman who knocked Walter Walsh back on his arse. I wasn't Mm. expecting that at all either. Now, I'd say Walter was possibly a bit off balance. Um, but there's a lot of moments where where Cork just impressed me with their physicality. Where I wasn't, I thought Robbie O'Flynn they couldn't handle him in the first half. I thought, I thought he kind of helped keep Cork in it in the first half when. Kilkenny were four points up, but you know, they had the goal chances as well. I think Richie Reid had a couple of wide; he had three wides in the first half. He
2: did, yeah, yeah. Um, they had that few chances, Kilkenny, there just to try and get a bit of daylight early on and didn't. Um, Kilkenny, just say we, we spoke about coming into that game, Cork had 24 goals between league and championship, Kilkenny had nine. Um, you know, the but that's that's a huge difference there. Like you you're looking at like Cork are averaging three, and Kikini are barely just over one. But when you're not scoring goals, um, and not creating those chances, it's hard. Like the reason why Kikini teams were as good as they were, if you look back to the, say the water final in in two thousand eight, when they just bang in three early goals, and then against even Limerick that year, when Eddie scores a goal and and Henry scores a goal. You know, again, McFenley scores an early one in 2011 um, and 12 Larkin Power gets early goals there as well. It gives you a huge boost, but Kenny can't kill off teams or find it difficult to kill off teams because they're not scoring goals, but they have to, you have to have a team set up for scoring goals. You have to, whatever it is, whether you have to play one inside or two inside, or you play with that kind of T formation between the half forward and the full forward line, or you bring out a player that's roaming out or... You're running the ball from your cornerbacks or halfbacks out to midfield so you're able to give better ball in rather than clearing it from, you know, Owen gives it to Tommy Wells, Tommy Wells gives it back to Owen and Owen then launches it. Like You're not going to kill off those those teams and that's why I just physically, I suppose, as time moves on, if you're then getting loads of ball down on top of you, you know, yourselves, if if someone hits a ball down on top of you, you're catching a ball, a big high ball, then you're just pumped up. And everything's kind of buzzing. And then again, even the way the substitutes were coming on and off, you're going to be buzzing there as well. And and little things like that, when you're not conceding goals to Kilkenny, that's where they killed off teams in the past, Those uh, finishing off those chances. And just yesterday, between the few goal chances that they had um, early on, plus those few wides as well, it, it just I just thought it, Cork grew in confidence. And let's uh, be honest, they should have won it in normal time. They just kind of those last few minutes in, in, out of time, they just, there was a bit of panic then setting in between the Horgan shot that we, we spoke about that, that, uh, he missed and Alan Cadigan missed. Um, and then obviously Horgan 65 then as well. There was a few moments there where they just could have been out of sight finishing up, but Kenny hung yeah. on. And, but, but ultimately, when you are chasing a game again and you need that goal and you haven't been scoring them all year, and it's not like the Kenny were playing absolutely, you know, the best, you know, the, the Cork's Limerick's tips, Waterford's Galways over the far side. You know, Cork were and still managed to knock in 24 goals. So um I know Westmead they got seven as well, but you but Kiken played the likes of Leash and Antrim, who are probably at roughly at the same level and only got a goal each in those games. So it, it's just I think in order for sorry, even Limerick, you look at them, they 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 won an all last year without scoring a goal in the provincial final, semi-final and final. Then they went through the league there this year and only scored one goal against the top four teams and only got three against Westmead, but only one goal against Waterford, Tip, Galway and Cork. And then that's why they ended up second from the bottom. And now they've kind of gone back and and kind of realised it was even said there... um, the man of the match sorry Donovan said it after the match he said that they, they spoke about Glan goalie goals but well, we realised that we weren't scoring enough goals that we didn't score them last year and that we weren't going to win unless we scored them again so everyone is kind of going after them and and Limerick got the two the last day and two against Cork but I just don't think the Kenny Air have the people in there uh, looking at the players that they have I don't think they're ruthless enough to get the goals that are there to kind of kill off teams there was
1: A few people who had said They were disappointed not to see TJ Reid at full forward for Earlier in the game I think he didn't go there Didn't go there till very late
2: Would you have thought the same? Yeah like the whole point of of, See this is where Colin Fenley missing is huge Because Colin's in there TJ can come out centre forward And then they can kind of switch in and out but all of a sudden then, if TJ's in full forward and the ball's not coming in or, you know, they, they've dropped back a man in front of TJ and he's not getting some scores, it's uh, it's uh, obviously he's out of the game and you need a minute. The only problem with TJ is he's like, you know, he's like a dog after a bone. He can't stay centre forward and just not work. That's not in his, his DNA. TJ has to run after and get hooks and blocks in. He's the best at it on the team, any team that he's playing on. Um, and so you saw there yesterday at one stage, a puckout was taken and Michael Carey was up chasing the puck out that landed on the 30-yard line. And next thing the ball was cleared and it went down into Kenny half and there's TJ back in his own half-back line. But TJ doesn't have the legs at his age now at 33 to get up and get down and still be doing that amount of work. He needs to nearly, I, I suppose, remember hearing um, Dean, or about Dean Rock with Dublin a few years ago. He doesn't do the same work rate as everyone else because you don't need Dean Rock running back to his own 21 following a corner back and then have to come up and hit a 40-yard free to hit it over the bar uh, to nail it. So they kind of, they made sure that obviously if some he was always going to be the apex. He was always one close to the far goal, not doing as much of the running um, back because he needed to have all his energy. And I just thought TJ, it was striking enough that he only scored one point from play there yesterday um because he was back doing that kind of work that he always is even if he came to midfield you'd say one thing but he was back in his own half back line which is was not where he should be even if he was up there closer to the goal and he got the chances that some of the lads did i would say even the adrian mullen missed the missed a couple of chances and then the billy Ryan chance i even thought it was unusual the point that tj did get um yeah he, he the point that he struck was very similar to a kind of tipperary in the 2014 final when you know got it with his back to goal and then turned around he went for a point yesterday I just thought a TJ on farm possibly would have absolutely buried it Um he was 21 yards out but he was against Darren Gleeson back in 14 and nearly took the head off him but I'd say he just nearly wanted to get a point from playing get himself back into it but uh, yeah at that stage he looked knackered he looked a tired man and when he started dispossessing him near on you kind of knew that that was it it was a it was a huge sign that Cork were just kind of heading for home then at that stage.
1: I wasn't going to ask this question because I had it written down and I thought, that's a stupid question. Is is TJ kind of slowing down a bit? Is he not what he
2: was? I wouldn't say that. He's getting 33. He, he looks after himself incredibly well. He hasn't been injured, I'd say, it in, since 2012. He, well, 2012. Yeah, 2012, he... Uh, Irletanian broke his kneecap in the All-Ireland he missed kind of the whole of 13 I'd say since then you'd struggle to see um, you'd struggle to see uh, or mention a game that he's been injured in, he looks after himself brilliantly well, I just would imagine that he needs you have to like if you're going to play him in full forward you you need good ball into him but he's going to get frustrated if he's in full forward that's the annoying thing it's nearly trying to cage him and to do something now at this stage, um, to do something that he's not used to doing, which is TJ, stay in there, don't start tracking lads, or don't start working. That's that's what makes him as brilliant as he is. That's what gets some so much ball that he's able to get in, win a ball, hook a lad, turn him over and stick it over the bar. So I, I just think, and it's been said plenty of times, and, and it's kind of been joked about Don Kenny that he's nearly carrying the team like or up front. But I, uh, I just think you you miss he he's he's massively missing when he's out and he's not on that half forward line. Uh, he's just a primary, a primary ball winner on any kind of a puck out, and it's very hard then, not to give him the ball. But I just think if the likes of a Colin Fenley was there, or someone else needs to kind of step up, Adrian Mullen I suppose is still only young. It's only his first year back after his cruciate. Um, he needs a few other players in and around him, or just a new kind of game plan. That's going to try and get him into the game a little bit more or keep him in there full forward or give him more ball, more uh, supply in there. But it's uh, keep doing what they're doing. I I, I don't know. I'd say he'll get frustrated. I just hope that it's not his last game there yesterday.
0: Oh, we couldn't lose. We couldn't lose TJ as well,
2: could we? I don't know. Um, it's hard to know. It's it's a bit like I think Pat Horgan is about 31 points behind uh Joe Canning to try and uh to try and take over all time uh score. He was 46 going into yesterday. What well, did he score? Yes, he's 15. So he's 31, yeah, behind uh now at the moment. TJ is fourth in that line, but he's about 70 behind. So you'd love to take you'd for a man who wasn't on freeze for a long period of, a, of his life, probably was playing four or five years until he actually took over the freeze. Um, I know that's kind of individual. And I know that's kind of certain lads probably wincing at the fact that you're mentioning individual kind of accolades there, but there's definitely more hurdle than TJ. Christ, if he got... I just think if he got a few more lads around him, I think he severely missed Colin Finley there this year. If you look at them, club form, those lads scoring goals the way they the, the way they set up. Um, even last year when they took on the village, um, TJ winning the puck out, giving it to Colin or Colin back to TJ. Christ, they, they are just they're incredible lads uh, together when they work together and I just think he missed a hugely there this year to try and link up play the two of those lads
0: So what do you think the chances are of Fennelly being back next year with TJ under management of their club man Henry Shefflin
2: I think it's likely If Henry came on board Colin a million percent would go back um, absolutely. Would love the opportunity to go back a year out and then to go back kind of fresh. Um, now, again, I'm not asking for, for anyone to retire or anyone not to retire between management of players and that kind of stuff. But I would, there's, there's no way he'll go back if the current setup is there. Not a chance. I think that'd be a huge boost. If you then had Owen Coley, I know it's a lot of Bally or Adrian Mullen, Billy Ryan, TJ Reid, Colin <laughs> Fenley. In, and, I, you know, just, just picking out those five lads there that um, played extremely well there yesterday, I, I, I think, Jesus, that, that that's exciting there. But you'll definitely get a new lease of life. Then, Like anything, it's someone new talking to them and coaching them and finding a different way of playing. Uh, it would kind of, it, it could get that All-Ireland out of Kilkenny, but the way they're playing at the moment, I don't I don't think it's any shocking kind of saying, I can't see Kilkenny winning All-Ireland the way things are going. Absolutely not. No.
0: Yeah. What is it about thirty-three-year-olds Horgan, thirty-three, TJ, Richie Hogan, Joe Canning? They're all the thirty-three club.
2: Callan, Jamie Sh- Cal- Sh- 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 Cal- is as well. Yeah, it's a. It was a good bloody age of of group of players that came through. Yeah, they're all smart. They're all outstanding players in their own right. Yeah, and they're all um up there like the TJ, as I said. TJ, um, Shamey, Callanan, Horgan and Joe Canning are up there in the top of all time. They're outstanding. They're just, their they're finishing ability. It's hard to see lads with that finishing ability again. I don't know what it is. Jesus, they've, they've had an exceptional run of it. Joe, it's unlucky. I'd imagine he might see a new change of management and just doesn't have the kind of, the. he's, he's had a tough enough year. He's It all depends on obviously how the bodies have reacted. Richie Hogan has had a horrific, run of injuries yeah. between cortisone injections in his wrist and between I know he he said it before that his back is in bits but if he is to get the operation that he has to get for his back he'll have to stop playing hurling so it's a case of keep going doing what you're doing um, and it's about like he nearly has to foam roll about an hour before training just to start training just to get warmed up he can't just go from the car like a young lad in and start training like hes he is in God love me is in bits, but at the same time he still is Jesus, I'd, I'd still have him on the team every day of the week. Um
0: he must uh, he must have a fair grap for it if he has to go through all that. And he only is, comes on in the second half of extra time.
2: Yeah. I know it is, but it, but it is like it, it, hurling. Now, more than anything, GEA, lads, like, I'm sure there's a million other things you could be doing tonight, but you have a, an, an absolute growth and that's what you want to spend your, your evening at. Um, and he's the same. And once you're in an inter-county bubble like that, and you're playing, and like, again, you know, 2019, things, and he got sent off, and then 20, he ends up coming on in against Galway and, and has that goal, scores that goal, scores a couple of points, and everyone is talking about him. And it's goal of the year. And you get a huge um new lease of life to kind of come back into a setup then again and and you go through all that kind of pain and then all of a sudden sometimes then you just step away eventually you step away and it's kind of the one thing that everyone says you kind of step out of the bubble and then you realize jesus why was i putting my body through that for as long as i was but i um you just you would hope that there's no lasting effects like with the amount of as I said, cortisone injections or back operations as he's had to do, um, you kind of hope that that's just not going to come against him, Jesus, when he is older, because at yeah. some stage he's going to have to be able to pick up a young child if he has one. Um, and I know it's all joking aside, but Christ, when he has the, when he has those disc injuries and nerve damage that's done in his back, you have to start looking at these things down the line. And um, But, but uh, Christ, I'd say you'd have to carry him out again because he he bloody loves the club as well and he just, he, he, he can't stop playing. Some lads can, can see the bigger picture. I just think Richie's just so bloody into it. Um, That's why, that's why I say I think it's so disappointing. I know how, how much he trains and what he puts in from even my time with uh, Kilkenny and then to just see him kind of just come off the last 10 minutes or kind of going, oh God, that's tough going for a full, like that's, you know, that's since Christmas to come on and he hasn't played any league game any championship, and it's just 10 minutes at the end when you're already getting better out the gate. I don't know, I think that's 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 not an easy one to take.
1: No, now we'll move on to what wasn't an easy one to take for us as Wexford supporters when the Kildare under 20s beat, yeah, Wexford. I was at it, and a lot after the game we all heard, we all, we were all very disappointed with Wexford's performance obviously we thought we couldn't understand the way they were playing and different things but then we were all told how much work is going on in Kildare and we were like oh yeah sure Kildare going really well like you know they're all that work has been done they have things right but is that is that the case yeah
2: do they have the structures right they have um a lot of work has been put in they put it uh, the hurling development plan put that in place in 2018 so it's 1920 21 they're year three on it they had a review of it there this year um and with john dorn and colin nolan then as well the chairman john, john nolan was head of the the hurling development and but there's a huge amount of work being put in paul dibley who's midfield on the senior hurling team but he's he's um uh performance uh director as well so he's over like I think Kildare are are a mile ahead of where a lot of teams are, even on the top tier. Like you have Brian Cullen, who's over Dublin and the strength and conditioning, but he's over the strength and conditioning um, and performance over every grade from 14 up to senior. Paul Dively now is everything up until obviously senior, but he's in with us playing, so he he can't obviously take on that role. Paul O'Donovan has that role. But, you know, how many other counties do you know has someone that's doing that? Like if you look at Wexford, you probably have a strength and conditioning coach at senior level, maybe one at you know a different one at under twenty level, a different one at minor level. Are they all talking to each other, and interacting with each other week in week out? But Paul Dibby's in charge of all those coming up, so that's that's the work that's just been done on the kind of strength and conditioning. But the hurling side of things as well, they've been doing massive work. There's huge work obviously going on in like say the clubs like Nace as well, um. But getting lads out development squads that team there this year and the scary thing is I think there's, that's not even supposedly the good Kildare team uh, next year's team is is a mile better there's uh, there's 12 of that team that are underage again next year um, just very well coached Pat English under 20 level owned Stapleton. uh Stapleton uh, Gary Spillane lad from Limerick who's living up in Nays he's over the minors and they're just bringing true good lads there's, they're getting good coaching into them good system of play and they're it's coming from minor level right up, um, like you know. I know they bet Wexford, but they also bet Carlo, Uh The week previous to that, the miners bet Carlo, The miners bet Leash as well, and then narrowly got bet by the miners narrowly got bet by a, a very good I thought Wexford team. I saw that game as well. I Wexford are very good, um, and then obviously Wexford went on to beat Dublin then as well. But it's uh, there's, there's a lot of good work being put on as club level and that's coming down from their, um, their development plan that they, they put in place back in 2018.
0: And then if you go into your, your own job as manager of the Kildare Seniors and you came up into the Joe McDonough last year for, for this year yeah. uh, and then this year you also won the league so you're up into 2A in the league. But you went down from Joe McDonough back down to the Christie Ring. Yeah. Is there, and then you, you, you look at Antrim as well. And after such a good league, they're relegated back down to Joe McDonough. And Westmead they're going down in the league and up yeah. back to Lee McCarthy. There's just something not fully right there, is there? Or
2: what, what, uh, what's your thought? not not. I know. It's just. <sighs> I don't think they have I don't think they have the kind of like things have changed. So they just say you have the league system and you have a championship system. And they obviously put this back in place a few years ago where they have their 1A and their 1B and then their 2 but 2A and, and 2B, 3, uh, 3A and 3B. That's the league system. But things change. And I actually think that the league system, just if we're just concentrating on the league, so much work has been put in by these teams underage. Um, or, or some of these developing counties like Kildare, like definitely like Down are, are doing excellent work as well then as well. And you have the Kerrys, Carlos and so on, um, West Meads, uh, Meads and so on. But like if, if the way that they have the kind of system at the moment and Derry are putting in huge work as well, if they promoted just an extra team, an extra two teams up into 1A and 1B, if they, if they put that in from, change it from six up to eight, it means then the likes of a, um, you're then promoting up that next group of teams, and like I said a few weeks ago, there it was on Twitter that, uh, just say if Galway are playing against West, just like they did against Westmead this year, they put out kind of not a B team, but they put out a lot of their subs and and players they want to try out. And then Westmead still might play Kerry um, and get a good game against them. And they might play Carlo as well. And they still get a chance to play Tipperary, but Tipperary are nearly playing some of their subs. But they get a chance of promoting Hurling against the top teams and also get a chance to stay up rather than Westmead going up this year and playing all their best team every single game because they're scared shitless that they're going to get relegated. They have to play their best team. But it's, it's about... It's just not promoting things. But the only thing is they've changed up the leagues... Every few years, like it, it, yeah. The name of the league—it's—it's gone to Division One, Division Two, Division Three, to Division One A and One B, and so on. They have changed things up. I think it's time to review it again because it's not fair on the likes of Westmead coming back down the league when they're up in Championship, or the likes of Offley are about to go up now. And let's be honest, they should potentially get. bet fairly well in those four league games and Michael Fenley has said this recently, it, it makes no sense, it's not developing the county, it's not developing anything but putting awfully up to play Cork, Galway, Limerick and Tip and getting the bit out of them and then coming back down again or playing a relegation match, Like it doesn't do anything for the players heading into a season like that knowing that that's what they're facing. Um. The only anointing then come championship wise, then it's very difficult to change structures up and promote, just say, add up an extra few teams like add up Westmead and add up Kerry and maybe Carlo, just say for that, they're the top three teams kind of this year uh, bring them up into the the Lee McCarthy, because then you'd have to bring up a load of teams then from the Christy Ring into Joe McDonough, from the Nicky Rackard up and then the Lowry Mare, and then you'd end up dropping off a Lowry Mare competition. And, you know, nobody's going to want to, get rid of a competition if you know what I mean because it has an actual name to it where the league is a lot easier so I don't see I don't see the championship changing at all I think if anything does change it might be the league Um, but it needs to to facilitate the great work that's been done by these developing counties
0: Yeah I, I even think like just think about the senior championship and how Munster are fairly stubborn in that no we're sticking with our five teams so that even if Kerry do win the that's stupid. Joe the Joe McDonough, they'll go into Leinster. And Leinster, like this year, had six teams and Munster with five. And it meant that Leash, um was it Leash? Uh Leash and Antrim, Leash had, Leash and Antrim had to play a relegation, but also that Leash had to, like, for example, if they were to win the All Ireland, like Waterford were four weeks on the trot. Uh, Leash would have been five weeks on the trot if they had a win. Like same same as when they went up when they when they won the Joe McDonough and they beat Dublin. Like it was a week after they had won and there yeah. was there was no chance to celebrate or anything like that. It just it was a token gesture. Yeah, you can come up and play in the Lee McCarthy kind of and then they just shocked everyone by beating Dublin.
2: That's kind of where it's at at the moment. And then again, look, at they're going to come back and they're going to say, well, it's time and it's split season and we have to cram all that kind of stuff in. It. I, i don't see how how it doesn't make sense it's just so much yes you might go up and get a few beatings but you might also get a few wins again and there, you're playing against better opposition the whole time but this whole promotion relegation like thank god they did at least change it up that you know the likes of a leash that they went up in. see now they're, they're heading into year three isn't it uh, yeah that they're yeah. playing up in Lee McCarthy that Dublin year, and then last year they played against Clare. And now this year that you know they played against Watford, um, but they're getting a few decent games up there. And then they obviously promoted up, and ourselves and Down got promoted up from Christy Ring there last year. But something just needs to be done. It's just not right. There, there's huge work being put in the development side of things at the moment, um, and it is soul destroying. Like you know, it is soul destroying just getting relegated. Back down again after all the work that's been done, especially after such a short year as well, where you basically had your, you know, your two group games, and it is such a killer as well. Then, you know, when you, you kind of you, you play Westmead, it's draw a game in the seventy six minute, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they win the puck out, stick it over, and now, if we'd have won the puck, and it wouldn't be a point. We'd be safe this year, but they won the puck and stuck it over, and then they go on to play Kerry in the final, and then now they're up in Lee McCarthy and we're down in Christy Ring. It's just such fine margins. But like Jesus, you would like to think that the whole point of the GA is trying to develop things, and when you see, when you see the amount of work that's been now been put in by counties, especially underage the um, and there's a huge amount being put in. Christ, there is an awful amount that you would like to think that you would start promoting that. There's an opportunity there to really start bumping up and getting more teams uh, up further, up further, and developing, developing hurling in these counties. But it's, um, I know it's not easy. I don't think it'll happen in championship, as I said, because of the amount of names that are there with the different trophies. But definitely in the league, there's an opportunity during the off season if enough people kicked up and made enough fuss about it. Um, I, I think
0: I know you just said it's not going to happen in championship, but to have to have a Leinster championship where, if you, if you like getting awfully back into it, if Kildare are progressing as well as 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 you're saying they are, if like. Carlow were up there last year. Leash are coming on. I know they had a bad beating to Wexford this year, but then they they stayed up their bit, a um, bit Antrim, and they didn't yeah. do too bad against Waterford. But if, if you were able to like get more teams, hurling, I mean that's, I I know Munster don't want it. They don't want Kerry, even if Kerry do earn a spot. But I'd love for Leinster just to, to get more teams in there to like have a really competitive Leinster championship.
2: It's the only way you're going to promote things, uh promote hurling within the counties. And it has been kind of said before by one or two lads there where um, you know, you'd look for footballers there that you know, they have said it going, I'd love to play hurling, but like I'm getting far more exposure with the footballers. And it's uh again, you know, little things that you'd be looking out for where Offaly won the Christie Ring final, and you're looking at the six one news, and they they obviously showed the the match that was on afterwards. Anyway, they, like just there wasn't any mention of the Christie Ring final. Like, whatever about they showed the the, the footage of the, the match that was on afterwards. But Jesus, all they would have to say is Awfully won the Christie Ring. Like that's it. Awfully bet Derry in the Christie Ring. And do sorry, it was awfully it was Dublin against Calera playing in the football and awfully played beforehand against uh Derry. So they showed the video foot, they showed obviously the footage of the Leinster football final. But that was it. Nothing at all from the whole um awfully game you're just thinking geez, all you do is just mention it at least <laughs> it makes no sense to it it's it's not promoting it in any kind of a way at all and uh, and then again you're going on about the, the two tier football system that's not I don't see that coming in I think the only way a two tier system is going to come in in football is if they make it three tiers and then lads are nearly delighted to be in tier two where they make it a junior intermediate and senior but coming in with two tiers, they're not going to promote it. They don't do it even as it is, lads. It's it, it is Did you
0: try it a few years ago at the Tommy Murphy Cup or
2: something? Oh shit. I played in it. Um I was, what happened then was geez, yeah, we, we played you in lost the two, first
0: round, you got put into that, wasn't it?
2: That was it. But then the likes of uh, then it took the pace where the likes of, I remember loud, they lost the first round and then half their team, three-quarters of team went off to America. And that was it. And then they kind of went, this is a joke. And Tipperary won it one year. We played Antrim one year up and Antrim was great. The only thing is, we turned up in, um, Kenny were playing Galloway the night beforehand and we turned up had the meet-up in Castle Comer and we had 13 players. 11 were on the beer in the pub and they picked up two extra lads and then hopped on a bus and the lads drank all the way to Newry (laughs) and then went out until about 8 o'clock or sorry they went out all night. Remember the captain, the vice captain, woke up beside the swimming pool and then we went out and played Antrim. I wasn't, I must say I was one of the nerds that didn't drink myself and Sean Flynn Sean the corner back. And uh, we went out and we were one two to a point up after five minutes and I don't think we scored again. But it was um it was back in those it was just such a it was a joke of a competition. Um nobody decent was playing all the decent lads of any of these second tier team competition they all went along and uh, uh, just headed off to America and got their few bob over there. So they'd have to promote it. But if you're looking at, if you are any of those footballing teams, those, those second tier or third tier footballing teams, and you're looking over at the promotion of Joe McDonough or Christy Ring, you'd have to be fairly bloody fearful as to what's going to happen. Now, having said that, why you'd want to play in the in the Sam McGuire and get shipped ship it out of you by 30 points in an opening game, um, is beyond me either, or like you know, even like the Wexford footballers this year. Again, no disrespect to them, but like you know, the celebrations that they had after they beat Wicklow, and then just go out and lose the next game. Like it, it, you would have to think. I think if they went along, and very simple, Wexford are not going to win a Leinster, not going to win an All Ireland in football. Um, sorry to break the news, but that's just not going to happen. I, I can't ah, see it. Sorry, we're hurling men here, but like. Just say if they went along, or sorry, just getting off it. But even if they went along and, um, put, at the end of the year they went along and gave a hundred grand of a team holiday to tier two and tier three winners, I guarantee you, fucking lads would be absolutely delighted. Yeah. Then, yeah. Imagine that. Like at the moment you're playing what? You play one. So Wexford go along and beat Wicklow. They get bet the next game and that's it. Done. Like how? I don't know how lads do that. I honestly don't know how they come out at least in where we're at with Calair we have a chance of winning the Christie ring um and and if we get a right run of it you know you obviously we have to win the Christie ring but there's there's players coming through now where you feel like there's a, a very good opportunity to then go on and and give a stab at the Joe McDonough but right now how you're an inter-county footballer with some of these counties that you go out you might win a first round or you may not or you go in the back door and get bet and that's the end of you I don't know where the 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 grow is to go on and actually do that. I just, I can't get my head around it to be honest with you. Right. One, one last question.
1: Who is the best Wexford player you've played against?
2: Oh, Rory Jacob. Why so? I think it's hands down Rory Jacob. Um, I, I, he was the same age as me. I played against him when I was minor. He was, he was brilliant. Um, I, he I played against him, then obviously at under twenty one level, and he scored that last second goal on me. In in obviously he he destroyed Jackie, and I remember it just really annoying. You know the the headline the next day was like Jacob got the cream or something like that. It was, it was, <laughs> Jacob with a cracker. <laughs> it, was, it was in Irish Independent, and it just it was just such a sickener. <laughs> I hadn't actually seen the goal until Jackie did that Laker gale, but he was just a touch of class. And then Jesus, he had just had that ability to get a goal off you out of nothing. And he, he was kind of goal hungry as well. He was just, um, I was a class act. I'm trying to think of any rest, obviously we would have started off with Desi Mighton, would have started off with. Uh, he was three years minor as well. Um, he was a good lad. He kind of faded, obviously. Um, somewhat but um, I think hands down you'd have to say Rory Jacob yeah she was brilliant even up at senior level he was a class act then as well, um, well for, for that for that headline alone I think <laughs> <laughs> oh it was very annoying and and the, oh Jesus Wexford like it, it, there's it's hard it was hard to love them because I went to St. Pat's in college and it just didn't it didn't make a difference how many times could Kenny bet Wexford, you could beat them a million times, and it beat you once, and that was just <laughs> it. Like the whole of Pats was made up of Wexford women and Wexford lads, and Jesus, you know, you know, they kind of lived for County Colors night. It's just they just come out. I always felt like they were like cockroaches, just come out of the woodwork. But like that, you could just slag one Wexford person, and out of all of Wexford, by to come out. <laughs> Oh, just the <laughs> accent used to kill me as well, but they were the savage men. But there's some amount of oh Christ. I said a whole It's would say the whole lot of them went to Pats, just whatever it was. I'd, I'd I mean, say you
0: had a fair few Kilkenny lads and
2: Pats as well. My year we didn't have too many, but Jesus, I could name you Mick Wafer, Mick Heffer, and the Dials. then uh the Jess Holvins. Cod, my God, there was just a mountain of lads. Um that were just up there just seem to be a huge amount but they're all good solid lads alright L- great lads on field, absolutely smashing lads lovely personalities the whole lot of them as well and uh, just sounds a different like, breed in fairness
1: it sounds like you went to college with a few weeks for Tony as well now by the
2: action <laughs> <laughs> oh every single part of Damian Barnes, another lad there as well but they are all um, all great great lads great little characters alright though a lot of them um, but yeah sorry getting back Rory Rory, Jake. He had the ability, uh, just to kind of turn on a sixpence and and create a goal chance out of out of nowhere. He was he was just brilliant that kind of way. But Roster was class act as well. He was he was very good, yeah.
1: From all six onwards, your your time with Kilkenny now are, are not they're not highlights of, <laughs> of Wexford time. Yeah.
2: You know? No, um no, but at the same time. You were always kind of fearful of this. Like my brother was under 20 back in 2000 and. Jesus, was it 2001? Um, Yeah, 2001 when he went down to Wexford Park. And uh, I I, I still never experienced anything like it. Um, Darren Stamp was center back. He's a tough bit of stuff. Like, we went down that day and I don't know what the end score was. It was something like one, Kenny got about, I think, one eight to about 12 points. But Jesus, the the pitch. Like, going out to Wexford Park is just as kind of a scary place to go to. That's where I made my debut in 2011. But just, the, the it's a tough, tough crowd. They're so passionate, Wexford. Um, I was obviously there the same day in 2004 as well when um when he got the, McDickle got the late winner. But uh, oh Christ, the... Yeah, that's you know, and it needed Leinster needed Wexford to be as good as they were the last few years. It's just I'm excited to see who's going to take over Wexford next year, and for the next few years because I think it's there still is a a core group of players there that kind of uh, kind of that can take things on to that can challenge Kilkenny again. I don't think Leinster is particularly strong at the moment. They always seem to have a, a one up in on Dublin. A chance that they wouldn't fear Galway, and I don't think they fe- they fear Kilkenny at the moment. The way things have gone the last few years, so it's a uh, it's exciting times to see who they can get in. Just David, um, thanks a million for all your time. No bother at it all. It's. Jamie, you. you're the best. is the best at what he did to ever played was unquestionably like the best there ever was. My I'm a magician
1: I'm the
0: youngest to the 15 uh, 9 brothers
2: and 5 sisters They just took you in the goal then Yeah well uh, A, a so-called goal, uh, to so called goal Two power
0: barrel. Damien Fitzhannery was the best goalkeeper i ever played
2: But you know I'd say, say that in- Damien Fitzhannery is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen So I'd probably like, I'd probably say Damien so-
1: Shane Tompkins, unfortunately, couldn't make it. He said he was preparing a very important presentation, but he wouldn't tell me what it was for. The best luck to him with that. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back soon with another podcast. In the meantime, take care, and thanks to our sponsor, the Anascardi Credit Union